Broadcasting live from the heartland of America, this is another episode of Living the Faith with Ben, Joe, and Mike. And today we're going to talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Things that you may not know about her are going to become very, very interesting. So first off, we all know about Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? She appeared to Juan Diego, who was an Aztec peasant in outside of Mexico City or what is today Mexico City in the 1500s. And she said to him, um, I want you to build a church here on Tepeyac Hill where I am appearing to you. And Juan Diego, of course, goes to the Catholic bishop and he says, hey, this this lady appeared to me, uh, the mother of God appeared to me. Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to me. And the bishop, you know, multiple times doesn't, uh, doesn't believe Juan Diego and he sends him back and he says, okay, you know, tell me another one, whatever. And Juan Diego, eventually he comes back to our lady and he says, well, lady, what do I do? I, I, this Bishop is not believing me. What can I do to convince him? And the most famous image of our, of, of our lady in history, probably the most prolific image of Catholicism in the world came about when our lady filled Juan Diego's Tilma with Roses, and he very gently and gingerly walked all the way back to the bishop and reaches the chancery and comes to the bishop and he's holding, he's bundling these roses in his tilma and he won't show anybody, including any of the priests or any of the other people surrounding the bishop saying, Hey, what, what do you have bundled in there? Right. You could never do this in the 21st century. Hey, I've got, I got this backpack and I only just want to show it to the bishop. Um, and so Juan Diego shows up. And he's, and he's got this thing, right, in his tilma, and he, and he finally releases the tilma, and he opens it up, and the, and the, the rare roses fall to the ground, and as the bishop, his eyes trace the, the, the falling of the flowers, and he sees the flowers on the ground, and then as his eyes elevate back, he catches an image for the first time ever seen on the earth, an image of Our Lady given by Our Lady, and we call that today Our Lady of Guadalupe. Joe, is that the first image of Our Lady of Guadalupe? It's not, Mike. Um, So the Spaniards have had an original image of Our Lady of Guadalupe that looks nothing like the image that we know. It's a statue that was carved by St. Luke, the apostle. Uh, He carved uh, and painted several images during his lifetime, at least as uh, Catholic tradition holds, uh, small t. And he, uh, this image was in Spain, during uh, prior to the the invasion of the Muslims into Spain, when the uh, Muslims invaded, these priests took the statue up to this mountain and buried the statue in the ground for safekeeping. For safekeeping, for safekeeping, yes, to protect it from the Muslims, exactly. And um, so, this ranchero, this cattleman in the 1400s, Our Lady appears to him and says, "I want you to come to this spot and dig up this uh, image and um, have a shrine built to it, uh, or to me, you know, with this image." Uh, in it. And so this is very fresh in the Spaniards' minds, right? This is, you know, hun- uh, several hundred years prior to Our Lady's apparition in Mexico. And this is one of the main points of the story that when people hear the the standard story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, that they don't ever catch on to because when, our, when an Aztec who does not even uh, speak natively Spanish comes to the bishop and says, Our Lady of Guadalupe is asking that uh, you build this shrine to her that she's asking. 
he's he's shocked. He doesn't understand. It doesn't make sense. How would this Aztec know this? No way. So this so this bishop here, he's hearing when he hears the word Guadalupe, he in his mind, he's he's thinking about a river, but not the river that separates the United States from Mexico. He's thinking about the river in the Iberian Peninsula in Spain, in his native motherland where he's from. He's thinking about the Guadalupe River, named the Guadalupe River after Our Lady of Guadalupe, the original, which was just a hundred years ago. That's correct. Yeah, it's in the region of Extremadura, this Guadalupe River. And uh, again, this image is very fresh in the Spaniards' mind prior to their conquest of the Americas. I have never heard this. Okay, so there was no reference to Guadalupe in Mexico at that time. The only place he could have heard that was from Our Lady, which is why it was so shocking when it was heard for the first time by the bishop. That's exactly it. Yeah. Are there, so that's are there, amazing. Yeah, I've never I've never heard this is an entirely lost part of this story. Are are there any other instances of our lady's ap- apparitions or or images where she uh gives herself a name that is not in reference to uh, I mean, when you talk about geographic references to Our Lady, like Our Lady of Fatima, right? She appears in Fatima, Portugal, um, because Fatima pre-existed the apparition of Our Lady. But in this case, what you're saying is she calls herself Our Lady Guadalupe, and the name Guadalupe pre-exists for that reason. Yeah, the the river, right? Yeah, that's yeah. so she she's also so in in so doing, right? She appears on the Tapiac Hill in outside of Mexico City, which was actually a place of of high reverence for the ancient. Um, for the for the ancient where were the Aztecs? So mm-hmm. they so the Aztecs venerated a, a bunch of gods and goddesses, and they had this one particular goddess who they venerated as the mother of all the gods, and they called her uh, Tonatzin, and she was venerated on the Tepeyac Hill during the winter solstice in what we call today um, the month of December. So it's almost as though Our Lady she she didn't just randomly choose the Tepeyac Hill, she didn't just randomly choose you know to appear by this river, which later was renamed the river, the Guadalupe River, in reference to the Spanish Guadalupe River. She chose this hill to literally smash and displace this false goddess who was the mother of goddesses with the true mother of God. That's correct. Well, and you, you, you made mention, Mike, that... With regards to Our Lady of Guadalupe, I, I can't think of a single instance in where Our Lady, a particular uh, representation of Our Lady um, that has the same name as then several hundred years later shows up in a completely different form with the same name, the same title. But you, you have to think of the significance of what happened here, right? The New World, the conquest of the New World by the Spaniards was an unprecedented event in history. This concept of this, literally this entire landmass that civilization was not aware of, even, you know, in the times of Alexander the Great, right? He knew that they they came across new lands, but they had heard of those lands. They know that those lands exist out there. Nobody knew that the new world was out there except for the barbarians that lived there. Civilization hadn't touched that area. And that's this particular apparition recalling an image that was in Spain and now appearing with the same title, in Mexico, where she has no context whatsoever to the natives and calling herself a mother of these peoples. 
to right. this day. And so, and she, and she, of course, appears in December, December 9th, 1531, um, probably around the same time that they would have otherwise been venerating this false goddess. So she shatters that image, right? So this lady shows up, the true mother of God, in the in in the early part of December, in the winter solstice, and she appears to Juan Diego. She refers to herself as such, and but, but historically, to your point, Joe, this is this this is a context where millions of souls, not twenty five years earlier, have have been pulled out of the church by the Protestant Revolution and Martin Luther, and yet here we fast forward to the New World, where many more millions were brought into the church. By Our Lady's miraculous appearance here to Juan Diego, um, her healing of his uncle, and the other miracles performed therein, it's almost as though you could say that Our Lady, um, Our Lady, not only gave her blessing to the Spanish conquest of and civilization and Catholicization and, and uh, of this continent, but that but that she does so out of a pure concern for the souls of 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 humanity and bringing those souls into the Catholic Church. Yeah. Absolutely. And also this gesture is done with uh with such love for the devotion, for such respect for the devotion the Spanish have shown. So yes, she appears in the new world, but she does it in such a way to recognize the devotion that the, the Spanish have been giving her for centuries, um, and bringing that devotion to the new world. It, it's it's such a beautiful gesture. It it's truly amazing. That's that is amazing. Now, so we're going to fast forward now to another image of Our Lady, which was also uh, has ancient origins and uh, takes a takes a trip across the world. This time in Poland, Ben Go. So yeah, we were talking about this earlier, but so in the 15th century, the same time that this 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 previous image had been found, um, the Our Lady of Czestochowa uh, was also being moved from the Middle East over uh, to Europe. And this image, Our Lady Chestahova, uh, as legend has it, according to tradition, uh, is that uh, St. Luke painted this image, and he painted it on a table, surface of the tabletop, that was created by St. Joseph. And he did so while listening to stories that was being told to him by Our Lady. Um, and so this image has been, uh, it was discovered by Helena, uh, the mother of Constantine. There was a church that was built for it in the Middle East, and uh, it was there for quite some time until uh, as the result of invasion, it was being moved for its safety out of the Middle East and into Poland. And so this image was taken. It was brought into Europe. It was it was on route to someplace else. It was in Poland and passing Jasnogora Hill, which at that time was a very, very small monastery, a very, very small chapel. And the carriage stopped moving and the horses refused to move. And the prince who was transporting at that time thought, OK, well, this is a good place to break. We'll stop for the night. So he rested there at Jasnogora at the monastery there, got up the next morning and got back in and the horses still refused to move. At that point, the prince took it as a sign. And from that moment on, the image was enshrined there on Jasnogora Hill and has, has since then become Our Lady. Chestahova. And there have been countless miracles uh, that have gone with this image. Um, the uh, Poland's been under attack for its, its entire history from all sides. But during one particular attack, when the Muslims were invading, uh, the church was ransacked and the image was taken along with all of the sacred objects from the church, loaded up into a carriage. And once again, the horses refused to move. And one of the attacking soldiers pulled the image out, threw it in the mud, and then raised his sword and struck the image, and it broke into three pieces. And he rose his sword to strike it again, and then instantly fell dead in the mud. And the image miraculously healed itself from the three pieces back to one. But all that was left to show the signs of that attack were the two scars 
on Our Lady's face. Now, many, many, many attempts have been made to repair the damage cosmetically with paint to paint over these these markings and uh, to repair this blemish, but all have failed. And there have been numerous times in history where they've tried to do this, mm-hmm. and miraculously, those scars, those scars simply reappear. I mean, but, first of all, uh, you got you got to admire the faith, right? Like, uh, how many of us have have like broken down or here in the heart of America been stuck in the ice or the snow or whatever? I mean, how many of us take that as a sign to build a beautiful church or to or to um, enshrine an, an image that we just so happen to be carrying with us that has ancient and beautiful origins? I mean, that's pretty that's pretty interesting in and of itself. Sorry, so that was a detail that I just had to. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think, too, that I've thought about this quite a bit, but if you were given charge of an image, you know, this is it's been around and revered for hundreds of years in a massive basilica in the Middle East. And you're given charge of this image and you're trying to take it someplace safe. And all of a sudden the horses just stop. I mean, horses just refuse. You know, they can be whipped, they can be beaten, but they're not moving anywhere, um, you know. I think, you know, he was looking for a sign as to where he was supposed to take the statue. And that's and because he was looking for it, he got it. Where's so, Yasnagura? Uh, Yasnagura is just going to be southeast of Warsaw. It's about an hour and 45, uh, two hours uh, north of Krakow. And you were saying that there, there are, of course, a number of miracles that are associated with this oh, particular yeah. image Absolutely. of Our Lady. There was, yeah. there's one that's pretty profound, including a family that, um, if oh, you have, gosh. if you have small yeah. ears, you know, you might want to fast forward for the next uh, 30 seconds or so because this is a very poignant story, but it is, um, it is pretty gruesome. It's a great story, though. This is this is one of my favorite uh, stories of Our Lady Chestahova. And if you go to the church, there are many different images recounting the miracles that have taken place there. But this particular one, um, the father was working out in the fields, uh, and the uh, the two children were playing in the house, and a fight broke out, and the smaller child was pushed by the older sibling, and the smaller child fell down, hit his head on the floor, and cracked uh, his head open and died. And the mother came in, was all distraught at what she saw, and in her anger, killed the child, and then in her frustration and sorrow, kills herself. So horribly tragic. Uh, the father comes home at the end of the day from working in the fields, finds you know his children and wife dead, uh, doesn't pause, doesn't wait, takes all of these bodies, loads it up in his wagon, um, and and wheels these the, the bodies to Chestahova, and dumps the bodies there at the foot of the image, and falls to his knees. After a moment of prayer, he gets up, and as he rises, the bodies of his children and his wife rise up with him. The family say a prayer of thanksgiving Sheesh. and then leave and go back to their village. I mean, absolutely mind-blowing. Chilling. Beautiful story. Um, but this is just this is just one of many, and you guys really have to go um, to see this, this, this shrine. It's amazing. Uh, on the outside wall, uh, which is now an inside wall because they've built onto the church, there is this massive cannonball that's embedded in the stone. And the wall hasn't moved at all, and the cannonball is literally stuck in the stone. It's not like in the cracks of the mortar. It's literally embedded in the stone there on the other side of the wall where the image is. Um, there's also a set of candlesticks that are on display there, and they are bent backwards at right degree angles because a bomb was went, uh, went off in an attempt to destroy the image. And uh, the image was miraculously unharmed. But these candlesticks were living testimony of the power of the blast that should have destroyed the entire thing. Uh, so, yeah, just, just a beautiful example and uh, a very powerful image of Our Lady. And, uh, yeah, she's been revered as the uh, the, the queen of Poland uh, since she arrived, so it, around that, the 15th century. 
that's a pretty royal title um, and pretty apropos. So we've just heard a story of another story of Our Lady who has made a journey across uh, time and space, who has been traveling um, in the face of pagans or Muslims um, or the invasion of, of otherwise non-believers. When we come back, we're going to hear an exciting story from another part of the world where Our Lady has a strange connection to Our Lady of Guadalupe. You're listening to the Living the Faith podcast brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. We are boldly, authentically, and unapologetically Catholic. Find us on the web at restoringthefaith.com. And welcome back to the Living the Faith podcast. Again, coming at you live from the heartland of America, where we've been talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe and relating that special image of Our Lady to other stories of apparitions and or images or statues of Our Lady that have made incredible journeys across uh, vast time and space. Now we're going to take you to a country called Albania, which frankly, Joe, I I don't even know where that is. So can we just start with a geography lesson? It's just north of Greece. Albania is a border, a northern border of Greece. Let me tell you another story about St. Luke. Uh, we've heard about St. Luke twice now. Uh, another image that St. Luke, uh, that Catholic tradition holds, uh, that he painted was Mater Boni Conciliae, or Our Lady of Good Counsel. And uh, she was originally found in... Um, this town, there was this this image where she was. Uh, th- this image was venerated in a Albanian town. Now, Albania was one of the unspoken, unsung Catholic fortresses against the invading Muslims, protecting the eastern, uh, southeastern border of Europe. Okay, so again, again, it's the Muslims. I, I mean, here we go. It's like a again with the Muslims. Theme. You've got Muslims invading and attacking, and you've got this sacred image of Our Lady, and we've got to do something with Our Lady, right? That's correct, yeah. So there's this um, this fellow called Skanderbeg who was the uh, ruler of uh, Albania um, for quite some time, up till 1497, I believe. And uh, in 1497, Skanderbeg dies. This this guy was of tremendous character. No, uh, The Muslims did not dare invade while he was ruling. He beat them soundly many, many times. And so uh, they were afraid to invade further. But as soon as he died, the Muslims were like, oh, okay, now we can come on in. There's nobody to stop us. And they were, for the most part, right. Um, They start snaking their way up uh, Albania. And there's this town where this image is, and this town evacuates. And there's just these two men that have stayed in this church with this image of Our Lady. They, they, they don't know what to do, but they, they can't leave the image. And Our Lady appears to them and says, uh, follow me. So the image actually detaches itself from the wall and it uh, levitates and, start, and goes out the door of the church. And these two men start to follow it. And now it's levitating literally across and these guys are following it towards the Adriatic. They don't even know where they're going. So... If Our Lady is like, hey, levitating there, an image of Our Lady, and she just start, you know, you, you, I mean, you follow, right? Like you don't, you don't, you don't care what direction it is. You're just I, like, I, I'm, oh I'm, I'm with you, right? Uh, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm. Let, let's just say, I, I hope that I would do that. Yeah, I would think that that would be the case. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 but she's, she's clearly like, she's not going at like a, like a sprinting pace. I mean, no, she's no, going just, at a pace that they could follow. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's just before a, tennis shoes and and whatnot, which yeah. is even weirder, right? I mean, if you can picture this image slowly moving through the air and these two men just following it, um, can anyone else see this image? I mean, what is the what does the story say about it, it, everything well, else? I mean, I mean, there's 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 nothing. There's not a whole lot of detail with regards to that. The real detail actually comes into the back into the story when our the image starts. Um, floating out over the Adriatic and these two men without hesitation start walking into the Adriatic and instead of walking into it they find that they're walking on it walking on water across the Adriatic following the image all the way to the shore of Italy Okay, so there probably were not very many spectators to that. There's no one else standing around on the top of the sea watching these two guys walk across the water as Peter did um, following Our Lady. Okay, yep, wow. That's correct, yeah. So here's, here's the real zinger, right? So they get onto the other side, and the image literally disappears, just floats away. They can't keep up with it. It's gone. Soon thereafter... There's well, so what do you what do you do? What do you do if you lose Our Lady? What do you do if you've been following her? You walked on water. You clearly performed a miracle, and then she's gone. I mean, what do you, do you go back to your normal life? Do you go back to Albania? Well, Albania is overrun at this point. So, what does any logical Catholic do at that period of time? You go I, take a pilgrimage to Rome, right? So they just start making sure. their way to Rome. And so there's this this mountain town called Genizzano. It's a mountain town that's just uh, about uh, 20 clicks east of Rome. It's just this little town up in the uh, sorry in, in detail the of the mountains. Yeah. So are, are we assuming that they crossed at one of the more narrow points between Greece and Italy, and then started making their way north? So they that's were south right. of Rome. So the they heel. got to Italy. So, okay. They walked onto the hill of Italy. That's correct. So, yeah, so they start making their way to Rome because, well, they're in Italy now. Their country is overrun, and so they make their way to, to Rome. So with regards to the mountain town of Genizzano, all of a sudden these uh, the, these townspeople are interrupted in their work by the sounds and singing of angels. And this image comes straight down out of the clouds and floats into this uh, decrepit church that is in that mountain town that's in quite a bit of disrepair. It's not currently used floats up to the left side of the sanctuary over the, um, the the side altar and just hangs. It doesn't hang. It's it, it just levitating in front of this wall. It's not touching the wall. It's not hanging on the wall. It's just in a constant, it was in a constant state of levitation there. Okay. So, okay. So this image shows up to this decrepit church in where again? What, what's the name of the town? Genizzano, Italy. Gen- Genizzano, okay. Italy, right? So outside of, the Ro- outside of Rome and in an alcove of the church, the image is configures herself. She configures herself in front of the, in front of the alcove, but she's neither touching the ground nor the ceiling nor the wall. She is uh, as though she were hanging on the wall but not actually touching it. That's correct. So and how long? I mean, how long does she hang there? Or, I, I mean, I mean, for a while, or I mean, yes. Yeah, so for for hundreds and hundreds of years, actually, in this particular case, uh, the, these townspeople uh, start rebuilding this church, and in the middle of rebuilding this church, these two Albanians show up on their way to Rome, 
and they are complaining about how they've been being laughed at their entire pilgrimage. They've been trying to tell everybody that they know about this story, and nobody believes them. And then the townspeople start putting it together. And they said there was an image that just floated here, uh, and we're rebuilding this church. Come and look at this image. And as soon as they saw it, they just fell down. They were just besides themselves. Why this place? Uh, how did this happen? Um, you know, I, I can't even imagine really the sentiment really like, Mother, why did you leave us? All of a sudden, you just abandoned us. But then they find themselves in this beautiful uh, mountain town, in this church. She's safe from the hands of the uh, Turks, invading Turks, and um, it, it's absolutely beautiful. And so they actually finished. Well, it, it must have, it must have been an, uh, an emotion that's not too dissimilar from the fifth mystery the, of the joyful mysteries, the finding of Jesus in the temple. I mean, you've lost you've lost Our Lady. You've been following her. You're in charge of her. You have some kind of responsibility for taking care of her, and you've lost her. And then you find her. And where do you find her? You find her in a church and not just any church but a church that the townspeople are now taking these drastic measures of improving upon because of the presence of our lady there mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Joe, so is this the same church where and i've only heard part of this legend so is this the church where the priest every year on the day that the image appeared in that town in that church he takes a thread um, from his left hand to his right hand and he runs it behind the image, between the image and the wall to prove that it's still floating, that it's not attached to the wall, even though it looks like it's attached to the wall? So yes and no, Ben. Um, definitely for hundreds of years, that tradition was maintained. Um, and that, that, that description that you just gave is an accurate description of what they would do on an annual basis. But it has, for whatever reason, in, in the 60s, the picture fixed itself to the wall, stop levitating and so they stopped performing this uh, act of drawing the, the the rope or the thread behind the image to prove this so you're kidding the, it hovered for hundreds the of 1960s. years in the, the 1960s, 1960s. Mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah was it was it Jimi hendrix do you think that changed everything or what yeah i have a feeling that uh who i'm sorry what yeah, I, I don't know if uh, I'm sure our lady. I'm sure our lady knows who Jimi Hendrix is, but I'm sure it had uh, no impact on her uh, plans. But yeah, so that's that's the story of Monteboni Consiglio. It's it's a beautiful basilica. Uh, I've used to visit there uh, many times. It's a gorgeous basilica. Um, definitely worth visiting. Um, there's but it, but if you go today, you'll see this image, but you'll know that this image is like hanging on a on an on an anchor on on a, on a drywall anchor. Well. It, right. It's nobody's actually been able to figure out how it's attached. It's just attached. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, so uh, again, an, uh, an example of Our Lady who makes an incredible journey um, across a vast distance in the face of Muslim terrorists. I want to talk about Our Lady of Lords for a second and try to tie all this together. Um, and in particular, there's a Spanish connection that I recently came upon with Our Lady of Lords. And you think of Our Lady of Lords and you think of the Spanish, and you're like, well, the wrong country. Um, Our Lady of Lords obviously appeared in Lords, France, to St. Bernadette. And Our Lady appeared to her and said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And those were, of course, uh, very famous words that she said. And it, it was a, um, 
It was a codification of what uh, the Pope had just promulgated a few years earlier in um, solemnly proclaiming Our Lady to be the Immaculate Conception, which means that she was spared from the stain of original sin when she was conceived in her mother, St. Anne's womb. And that was a belief uh, which was held by all of Christendom um, in all times and all places by all peoples. And in particular, it was believed most fervently by the Spanish peoples. The Spanish peoples really held firm to this dogma of Our Lady being immaculately conceived. And part of their devotion to Our Lady who was immaculately conceived was the color blue. The Spanish had a special dispensation uh, in their liturgy to wear what's called a cerulean color, cerulean, um, which is sort of a teal color. It's a cross between a blue and a green. You've seen this color. Um, and this is a vestment color, which the Spanish were first given a dispensation to wear in one of the, one of the sub kingdoms of Spain. Spain. And then later, it was given to the entire kingdom of Spain. And when the Pope solemnly proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, in fact, the Spanish people all around the world, because by this point they had arrived in the New World, the Spanish peoples in the world all celebrated so fervently that, of course, that feast is celebrated on December 8th. They took the entire month of December and they celebrated this feast, this brand new feast of the Immaculate Conception. In fact, in some cases it was recorded that that people got so carried away uh, with, with their joy for Our Lady finally being given the title which she so clearly deserved and everybody knew that she had, but it just tr- took the church a while to proclaim it in writing and and um, and in, and by her uh, by her teaching authority, but these people partied so long that they 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 ended up celebrating all the way through the feast of Christmas. And there was uh, there were bells, there were feasts, and priests were wearing blue, and they um, they didn't forget about Christmas, but they they were just so overjoyed with this. So, the the Spanish attachment to Our Lady, um, and and fervent belief in her purity and immaculate conception and her special gift from God that her flesh was spared from the um, the scourge of original sin um, so that her flesh given to our Lord was was the purest of flesh right um, the Spanish people were would would die for this belief and as a result of that we see this color ceruleum where do we see it Ben I mean I think we talked about it earlier in the old world or in the new world yeah so this was part of a previous conversation so and this is something a couple of things that i didn't know that you were talking about there the first thing was of course we all know blue is our lady's color but i i was never told in any of my catechetical lessons or or you know when i was raised or anything into the stories i heard that this this originated from the devotion that the spaniards had for our lady so that's what you're saying right mike that the blue came from this was the color that the spaniards associated with our lady and with their devotion to our lady 
and that's that's a longstanding tradition of of ascribing the color blue to Our Lady. It's a symbol of purity, and and in particular, it's a symbol of Our Lady. And what's so fascinating about it too is blue is is one of the most difficult colors to replicate in nature. It doesn't occur naturally in very many flowers. Um, there are no roses that naturally occur with the color blue, um, and. And, and in fact, you know, even even today, yeah. okay. even today, when you um, when when chemists try to make fireworks, right, that are blue, blue is the most difficult color to make. If you go to the Middle East and you want to buy a very expensive handmade silk rug, like an Afghan rug, the most expensive color that you can buy is blue because blue is the most difficult color to replicate. It is just a um, in in chemistry, it's 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 hard to come. And so because of its value, because of its rarity, because of its purity, blue has always been ascribed to Our Lady and the Spanish more than any other peoples. Look, we're not saying that the French, you know, look, the French had a, had a dispensation as well at, at certain points in history to have blue in their liturgy. And that was a reflection of Our Lady and their devotion to her. But what we're saying is that the Spanish were the first and the most fervent to ascribe that color to Our Lady and to maintain the dogma and the doctrine of of her immaculate conception. Well, that's that's an interesting point, Mike. And the you even have to ask where do the term cerulean comes from? And cerulean is derived from the Latin cerulius, uh, which is dark blue, blue or blue green. But uh, it's seen as deriving from cerulean, which is a diminutive of celum, which is heaven. Or sky, so it's it's a heavenly blue. It's interesting. I think that in the New World, perchance having to do with the story that we started with, that blue might be found somewhere with regards to that story. Yeah, exactly. So it, with Our Lady of Guadalupe, the 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 image of Our Lady of Guadalupe with which we are most familiar, right? The image of Our Lady from Mexico City, the new image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, she is in fact wearing that exact color, the cerulean blue in her garments. Wow. Now, she's she's I've dressed as an Aztec wow. princess. Okay. But this is the this is the color which is this the exact color that you're describing there, Joseph. It's a it's a derivative of the color of heaven, the the color the color of the sky, the color of the heavens of of the of that which is above you, and it's a symbol of purity and a symbol of Our Lady. But even more so, we can see it as Our Lady giving her consent to what is happening in the New World at the time. She sees in the Old World revolution. She sees in the old world, you know, particularly in, 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 the, in the Germanic old world where Martin Luther is revolting against the church and he's bringing souls out of the church and he's creating schism and, um, and disarray, right? And yet in the new world, the conquistadors, right, they, they're in America, they're in the new world and – Today in 20th century, we say, wow, they, you know, they conquered the new world and, and they butchered the, the natives. But, but no, they actually brought civilization to the new world and they brought the faith to the new world. Well, they were eating and each other, brought- Mike. I mean, that, that's, that's the reality of the situation, right? You have the, this the, complete well, they were. barbarism. And, uh, of course they and were. Of our, course lady, they were. Uh, our lady decides to use the Spaniards as a tool to bring Christ to them. You can say whatever you want about the Spaniards, but it is an undeniable fact that the Spaniards are 
along with the Portuguese, you will call with the, the Iberians, are solely responsible for bringing Christ to the new world. Absolutely. Well, look, you can you can say to your point, you can say a lot about what the Latins did in the new world. But if you contrast and I say this as both a Latin blooded man and a Anglo and, and an Anglo blooded man, if you contrast what the Latins and the Ang- and the Anglos did in the new world, it was totally is two divergent philosophies. Right. Whereas the Spanish were focused and, and, and Father Unipero Serra, who is now considered to be a saint, um, he was founding missions and converting souls and bringing bringing not only um, the, the faith, but he was bringing civilization. He was bringing literature and music and art and architecture. He was bringing all these things to the new world out of soul concern for the souls which were pre-existing here. Whereas you contrast that with what the Anglicos were doing and their philosophy was conquer and destroy. And there was really not a concern for converting the savages that they encountered in the new world. There was a concern for establishing a Puritan empire and that God would reward with prosperity, with, with, with monetary value. This was the Puritan view that, that God would reward your industrious nature with, with monetary rewards and that anyone else who gets in your way, particularly those pesky Catholics, which happened to be brown from the Iberian Peninsula and also happened to be brown as they were converted by the Catholics here in the New World, if they got in your way, they were to be eliminated. Right. And and as Catholics, from a Catholic perspective, um, the only thing we need to know is that Our Our Lady is putting her stamp of approval on these efforts, and that's absolutely undeniable. So all of the stories that you hear, everything that you might be taught or that uh, that you've heard from other people – if you're a Catholic, then the actions of Our Lady should be enough for you to know that what they were doing was motivated by the faith and bringing the faith to the new worlds. Because she could not have more clearly blessed the the endeavors of the Spanish by doing what she did with Our Lady Lupe. And, and the story unfolds as we looked at it tonight, and half of which I didn't even know, alluding back to the original image of Our Lady Guadalupe. It uh, couldn't have been more clearly a sign from Our Blessed Mother, blessing the endeavors, the apostolic endeavors of the Spanish. I agree. And and Mike, you've made several allusions to this throughout, um, but it is a beautiful show of heaven that wherever our Lord and our Lady are rejected, that they say, fine, we're going somewhere else. We're going somewhere else. We're going to go conquer another part of this world that God has created. And using the Spaniards in this particular case was the instrument that was used. And so, like, while there is Protestantism and the rejection of the truth, these people have accepted it wholesale. And it still remains to this day the most Catholic regions of the world. It does, and it, it's it is pretty clear that Our Lady has given it our stamp of approval, her stamp of approval on. And 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 to your point, look, uh, what is the recurring theme of 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 all of the apparitions and the images of Our Lady that we talked about today? If Our Lady is pushed away by non-believers, if she's pushed away by by barbarians, if she's pushed away by invading Muslims, if she's pushed away by anybody else who is is a threat to the church, including the Puritan Empire that was founded in the original 13 colonies, 
she says, okay, well, I'm going to find some people who have, who are really pure of heart, who can accept the faith and, and love God in his Catholic church, which he founded on earth. Um, and it, it's just a, such a beautiful example, the many millions that have been brought into the church, many, many more so than those which were pulled out by the revolution started by Martin Luther and continuing to this day in that evil Protestant heresy, which has perpetuated itself everywhere. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for us. us.